okay? I know that we know each other, but just so it's on the recording, would you mind saying your name and where we are? I'm Ralph Van Dyke. Okay. And at the um, Customs House in Chestertown here. Okay. To do this interview, yeah. I'm Leona Van Dyke and at, at the Star Center at the Customs House in Chestertown. Perfect. Okay, so um, I wanted to, well, do you, did you have something you wanted to say or do you want to? You can question me or I'll talk or whatever These you like. These are notes he had I'll just make these little notes again, you know, make it right so I don't forget sure, anything. Sure, you know. that's fair. So um, I had a couple things that I wanted to talk a little bit more about, but let's talk a little sure. bit about the munitions explosion. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have the whole story from, from the last time that we interviewed you, but I was a little curious about some of the, the smaller details. Um, like, did you, did you go up to the plant later that day? I remember your dad said, now stay at the house, but did, you, did your mom come home or did she keep working? I, I did not go to the plant. First one. She's talking about the Second World War explosion. Yes. Yeah. At Kent Defense. Kent Defense plant. Yeah, I did not go up there at that time because I was only like 12 years old. I think I was 11 or 12. But, mm -hmm. And uh, I uh, stayed home, of course, when that happened. And he came home and told me that tragic thing happened. Two men were killed up there in an explosion, uh, as far as that goes. Now, the <clears throat> up there, my mother was up there that morning because she worked there too. Dad worked there, so did she. Well, she was a, a timekeeper there. She wasn't actually inside where all explosives were, but she said she saw a flash and immediately after that, a terrible explosion because, you know, sound travels not quite as fast as light. Mm -hmm. She saw that flash and then boom, it exploded. And uh, Dad went up there, went there because he was a security guard at the plant. He, he was, and uh, he, uh, he felt his, his duty to look into it even though he wasn't on duty that day, you know. So he went in there and said, he came home. I heard him tell her later that day that you couldn't find a piece of them, hardly. It was just demolished, you know. And, uh, and uh, it was a frightening thing to everyone at that time. And the two men, uh, I, uh, I, I didn't know him real well, but I knew um, a guy by the name of Loman that was killed there, a, a grown adult. Uh, but. Uh, the other fellow, I didn't know him. I, I, I didn't know who he was. But the two, the two guys, Loman was from Churchill, mm -hmm. as I understand it, from other men that told me that, you know. And uh, they, uh, that was the only, uh, as, as to my knowledge, that is the only uh, explosion or mishap they had during the Second World War at Kent Defense at that time. So on the day it happened, your mother went back to work and she, finished out the rest of her shift? <laughs> I, I think she stayed there. She, she never came home. Dad went up there, but she never came home that day until her, her time was up, her shift was up. But yeah, she just stayed there, you know, because they, uh, I, I guess, I'm not sure, I, I'm not going to say that because I'm not sure what emergency people went up there or the like, I, I'm not sure because I didn't go up there, you know, I was home. But I, I understood this from hearing what my parents had said, you know, so. Did, did feelings change in your family because, I mean, your mother worked there, your father worked yeah. there, your they, brother and sister they, worked there too, right? Not, not brother, no, brother and sister did not work there, oh, no. Okay. Just mom and dad. And uh, they, uh, the feeling of frightfulness and what might happen next, you know, of course that was always on their mind. And uh, as I'd heard my dad say, those buildings up there at that time were constructed very hastily. And, and uh, nails, see around, the, I know I've worked in explosives myself. 
and had some experience with it, Aberdeen Proving Ground. Mm -hmm. And you can't have, in these buildings where there's a lot of explosions, you can't have exposed nail heads, metal nail heads and this sort of thing, anything to cause a spark. Now, and they were in such a big hurry in World War II to construct all this and get it going, to get munitions ready that naturally it, they, were in a, they constructed those things too quick sometimes to be absolutely safe, you see. Mm -hmm. Now what happened during that explosion and why and how, I have no idea. But it was a small building where they mixed certain powders in there and that's what exploded, yeah. But both your mother and your father kept working there after the explosion. Oh, they kept there, yeah. They stayed there until the war was over. Yeah. They worked there until, yeah, until, until the place shut down as far as the munitions go, you know. And that was the end of the war. They kept right on. As well as I can remember, it kept right on. I don't know exact dates of that, you know. But, uh, but then, <clears throat> of course, as you probably know, which doesn't not pertinent to this, but it changed from war munitions to uh, pyrotechnics, firecrackers, uh, mm -hmm. all this, but later, you know, yeah. But I don't know when that. <laughs> I don't know exactly when that change was. I don't know either. The date of it, you know, now, but I know it. It changed later, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember any conversations in between your mother and your father about one of them being worried that the other was, was still Yeah, working? well, my dad, I knew the way he expressed it to me that morning, he was very frightful of my mother being there at that time. Well, I didn't know what had happened until he went up there, you see. And they come back, he, they didn't get over it for a few days. It was, you know, mighty traumatic mm -hmm. thing that happened, you know. They didn't get over it for a while. Of course, me being a, a child, as they are, you get over things a lot quicker. It hits hard first, but you get over it sooner, you know. Quit. But they were worried about it sometime. I know they were from little things I hear them say, you know. Yeah. But cause, see, they, my mother and father had already went through traumatic thing in Elkton, which I had told you before, you know. they, they uh, they had, um, they worked up there. I think that plant up there was called National. Okay. It was Kent Defense here, but it was National up there. And they had that uh, thing that happened uh, um, where they had the dinner and they, uh, they, they seemed to think that they poisoned that food to sabotage because so many people were sick the next morning and the lights had went out that night during the banquet, big banquet at the armory. Mm -hmm. And the lights went out momentarily. And my mother said they, they, they thought, the management up there thought that that food was sprayed by poison during, during that time. You know, so many people were sick too. I think a couple of them died. And she was sick that morning. Was there was there something in the news about what had happened? Like no, no, out I don't ever remember anything being in the news. They just took it in stride and went on. Then that's mm -hmm. just the way it was, you know. They didn't they didn't make um, they didn't make big thing in the news over something like that during the war. It seemed like to me, you know, you, you didn't you didn't uh, hear much about it after what was said by the locals, and that was it, you know. When did your parents move from working at the plant in Elkton to working at the one here? Well, they worked the one in Elkton, I think, around a year, uh, from from forty. Uh, I believe it was around forty-two. With the first year of the Second World War, during that time, they went up there because they opened that plant sometime that year, I think, and then they moved. Uh, well, we were already living in the little village of Kennedyville at that time. And then we moved to Chestertown when they worked at this plant here. But I think that was the following year. They didn't stay too long at Elkton, part of that first year. And then they, when they built this one and it was ready, 
to work in, then they came back and worked there, see. So your family moved into Chestertown in order to be able or, to work at the plant? Apparently so, yeah, okay. right, that's right. They both had employment there and that's where they wanted to be, so they moved right close to it, yeah. Moved on Mill Street, matter of fact, 206 Mill, North Mill Street. Is that house still there? It's still there. You can go right down and see it now. Huh. North Mill, 206, North Mill. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember, um, just to get a kind of clear picture of, of what the plant looked like, do you remember like where, how the buildings were set up or what it looked like? Yeah, they had A, B, and C building, three main buildings mm -hmm. constructed. A, B, and C. I've heard, could, oh, I could see them, and I heard Dad talk about them, yeah. And uh, they had that and then some other small structures, which was one of them that exploded there. Mm -hmm. Had some two or three small structures around there. And they had a fence, a wire fence around the whole perimeter. And uh, they had several, uh, they had several uh, security officers there. And someone had to be patrolling that fence every so often day and night all the time watching it you know in case you know keep down any problem there but they never had any problem like that with security really at that time uh, the only <laughs> the only thing i can remember is it's kind of kind of funny but it's not a guy that my dad knew would go in there and work in that very building that makes explosives, he, he drank a lot. And before he would go in there, in other words, he wasn't allowed to drink in there, but he would drink all the liquor he could hold before he went in. And by the time he was in there, 15, 20 minutes, Dad said, Mr. Wilmer, the plant manager, said, please go in there and bring him out. He said, and if you can remind, if you can imagine going in there and getting a man that's boozed and staggering with a tray of powder in his hand, asking him to put it down and come with me, you know. And they, they, they put up with this kind of thing, you know, because a lot of, how I many people drank then just as hard as they do now during the war, you know. I know you probably said it in the first interview, but where was the plant exactly? Is it where the it was Lester's? where it yeah it was where it was in that land area where Gillespie is and where the health center is now, okay. and the other industrial complex, all those businesses around there. It was in that general area right there. It was in that area. Okay. I know it was yeah, because to get to it, we we just go down at that time. We didn't go in by Gillespie. We we go uh, we go to Lynchburg Street. Okay. Turn left and go across the railroad tracks, mm -hmm. and there you were, right to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did they wear uniforms to work there? No. No. Oh, uh, uh, security officers did. Yeah. But everybody Guard, else. Just everybody wore. else did. Yeah, just like. The railroad yeah. was. Yeah, my father. My security officers carried firearms. They did. But the rest of them just wore normal, you know, normal work clothes, you know. Okay. Yeah. What, the railroad was probably uh, there. It was probably built in that location because they need the services of the railroad yeah. to get things in and out, supplies, yeah. and yeah. then the finished product, yeah. most likely. Because yeah. in those days, we didn't have the trucks no. uh, trucking things across as, as the country much. like you do now. The railroad right. was very big. Right, right. It would be here till six. And, uh, but, uh, you know, unless, unless the people had families or actually worked there themselves, they, people didn't have too much knowledge of it, what was going on inside there, I'm sure, you know. But uh, they, uh, they had four, four people, town mayor was one of the owners. Mr. Wilmer, Philip Wilmer, at that time, mm. and uh, so was uh, Charlie, Charles Ashman. He owned the Voschel House at that time, which sat on the land 
of where the People's Bank is now in Chestertown, downtown Chestertown. Okay. It, it, it was a, what was the uh, architecture of that place? Greek. Well, it was, it, mean, it, 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 it had beautiful uh, iron railings, uh, yes. three stories high, Look, beautiful iron railings. It was Italian, yeah. it, it tight, was a, and a big square building with no yeah. flat roof, but it had beautiful iron railings uh, and such. I, I'm not an expert on architecture, but right. I believe in Greek, <laughs> you know. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, but he owned that, and and then the other guy was an owner of the name uh, uh, Tony Fabrizi, and he was in the Elkton plant too. I don't know quite all his connection, but I know he was in on this too, and also a college man, Joe McLean, who oh. was professor at Washington College years back. You've heard of him, I'm sure. Maybe. Mm -hmm. About Maybe Joe, wonderful person. Yeah. yeah. Absolute best. Yeah. He Did he you know was him? part of it. I knew him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and not real well, but I knew of him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that not many people knew what was going on in the plant, but. Did people in the town like that it was there? Like, were they proud of it? Or yeah, right. Well, they thought, yeah, everything was going for the war effort. We wanted to beat them and get it over. That was the main thought of everyone at that time. And we had no problem with it being there because that was part of the, the uh, progress on, on winning the war, to have enough munitions, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. And they made, well, I think I told you before, they made the detonators, uh, that's the center cap goes in the, in the brass case for Navy shells. Mm -hmm. They made detonators for them, and they made uh, the handle and fuse for hand grenades. That's the main two things they made during the war there, I know that. But... Huh. One other question was, um, I remember reading in one of the articles that, that was about the explosion that they started work again, you know, half an hour after it happened, but mm -hmm. do you remember there being any kind of memorial service or, or public thing about no, it? Or? No, no. No? If, if it was, it was with our own, those people's families, maybe. I don't know, but I don't remember any memorial service around that plant or anything in nature. They just, let me tell you, they just did not have time for all that. You just can't imagine the push for explosives at, 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 at that time, you know. It really was urgent, you know. See, they had, they had a very short time in that first year or two to prepare themselves for war. The other countries, they were already prepared and started it. We were down zero almost, you know. So that, that's why the big push and effort was on. And I, I don't remember any memorial at that time. Mm -hmm. and, and not there anyway. Of course, no doubt the families grieved over that, but, and, and I didn't know them. But. <laughs> what kind of work did your siblings do, your brother and your sister? My brother, uh, he worked on farm, farming, and my sister was housewife on the farm with her husband was a farmer too. Did they do, I remember from the first interview, they mentioned they were in, in ship work for a little bit. Was that? Mine. My father. Your family? My father. Yeah. Okay, okay. He worked at some ship building in dry, dry docks, is that what it is? Yeah. As a ship fitter. For, for the for, war? For 10 Just years before, before. before, for 10 years, and I was born in 1937, mm -hmm. and prior, just prior to the time that I was born, he and my mother made the decision to come back to the farm. <laughs> I'm so glad they did. <laughs> I cannot imagine having grown up in a city. <laughs> but anyway, but yes, he, he, he uh, at that time was uh, in the city and uh, everybody was affected in that there just were not supplies. People had to work, do whatever you could for the cause, you know. and. Uh, I mean, whatever 
that was needed that people just turned handsprings to get it done. They really did. And your question a, a little bit earlier about the newspaper coverage mm. of oh, the yeah. of, fi of the explosion, the first explosion yeah. here at Chestertown. In those days, I know from my own from my father's uh, having to have a newspaper. He had to have a big daily newspaper, and it could be Philadelphia, Wilmington. Mm -hmm. We that we, was very true. It, I mean, it, you had to world. have the worldwide version. I mean, the wor the version of what was happening on worldwide, not in your little area. It didn't seem to be that they wanted important. To, they wanted to hear that on the It was the big on, thing they needed on to hear the radio. They wanted to hear it on the radio and read it. Yeah, the oh, how it was our so progress. important then, you know. Yeah. Because uh, you have to remember at that time in life, you didn't know how this was all going to turn out. <laughs> no. That was that was the frustration of many people. We want to win this war. There's no way out. We have got to win, and and uh, and it happened that way, as you know. But but uh, they felt that you know they you, you have to put yourself in that position. You don't know whether we're going to beat them or not. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to fight all over the world. And they did, you know, at that time. And uh, and every, everyone in the community worked for the war effort. For the cause. Mm -hmm. Ever All responsible people worked right toward that war effort, you know. They did. It, it, was, it was just amazing, you, you know, <laughs> how, how uh, things turned out that way. And where well, your dad worked up ship. Ship ten years, yeah. Dry dock and all that. There was a. They worked on up there. I understand a lot of ships coming in there from North Atlantic blowing up, and they, they worked on them. You know, holes blew through the side of them from submarines, and I've heard I've heard men tell me that that worked there mm -hmm. at that time. And one fellow was in the Marine Corps. He went in later, but before that, he worked up there to Marcus Hook, where they brought them ships in. There was damage, damage from. They were called ship from fitters. North, ship fitters, yeah. yeah. It was damaged from being out in North Atlantic around them submarines, you know. Yeah. Was Marcus Hook where your father worked? Or? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it was Marcus it, Hook, right, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They lived. He actually lived. They lived in the Chester, and. Course. In those days, they had an apartment, a one-room apartment, <laughs> and everybody did whatever they, yeah, whatever yeah. they could. Yeah. And of course, the times were tough too. But um, they. And, oh, also, the, I, I, yeah, I like to tell you this. I didn't say before. There seemed to be. I don't know whether it was actually a law, or not, but work or fight. There actually was a law. Yeah, we've done some reading <laughs> about it. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And tell Work me about or fight it. law. Mm -hmm. You either, if you were an irresponsible individual of age, had to either work or fight. You know, because mm -hmm. you had to remember most, most, uh, most males who were eligible from 18 to 40 were gone. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anyone left here but young men, uh, young boys, and old men. Never left on the home front. Of course, I was one of them, <laughs> you know, just a kid. But, uh, but I, I knew that happened, and I had heard it, you know. And, uh, Do you remember if that law applied to women as well? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't I, know. I, 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 I know I, that they felt the need, the women felt the need to do their part, whatever that was. Um, I don't know uh, that it was a law. But I, I think about, you know, the, as I said before, uh, I had an aunt, and I remember this, who was, she became a registered nurse, and she came home and told grandmother, they need me, and I'm going. I've joined the Army. And grandmother was like, oh, no, you can't do that. She, Mom, they need me, and I'm going. And she went to Africa. <laughs> so Tell, tell <laughs> so, me a little bit about that. Well, she was a nurse there in the field hospitals and yeah, whatever yeah, else. Right. 
and North, uh, North Africa. She yeah. was there. Uh, I can't. I can remember when she went. And I remember when she came back. I can't tell you the exact years, but uh, when she came back, she was. Um, she had the rest of her life uh, problems with malaria flare-ups. She would be several weeks at a time with the, the, the fever and the malaria, malaria to the point where she couldn't yeah. take care of her children, which she had later. She had three children later. But she couldn't take care of her children. Uh, I mean, it, it was something that never left her. And that's where it actually came from. Uh, the beginning of it was when she was she, in Africa. She got, she got all, Alzheimer's late. Later, uh, she died I mean, she was in her 50s. But, but, and and yeah. some things think yeah. maybe have malaria intense like that and all that might have, yeah, right. who knows, you know, medically, I, I don't have The intense idea. fevers, you know. Yeah. So, but, but people, they felt they needed, women, they, I don't really believe maybe there was any order to that effect, but the other thing I remember at that time was women were in the bank as tellers prior to that. As a little kid, I can remember going in the bank, and you didn't see any women in there as tellers. The men were there. <laughs> the women were home in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm a long way. Until, <laughs> and so then the women began to do all these jobs. And the other thing that, that I thought I can remember was when they made the ruling that yeah. everything closed down on Wednesday afternoon yeah. because we, as a country, began to work during World War II. We, as a country, I believe, began to work for the first time through Saturday and Sunday. Sunday was always a day of rest. Total that was a no-no, Sunday no. work. And then the that, Saturday that, and into Saturday. Yeah. And so when your job required <laughs> that you work Saturday and Sunday, you needed a break sometime. So yeah. the banks in particular closed down Wednesday afternoons, mm -hmm. remember? Yeah. So Wednesday, the whole country took a break. It was the middle of the week. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, it was, it was a yeah. law, in, it, at least here. Yeah, it was. You know? Yep. Close, they close up Wednesday afternoon. I didn't afternoon. remember that, that, I remember that it. thing, but, but you're right. They, they, women it's, never worked in those capacities no, uh -uh. back then, as much as they do now, you know. <laughs> do you remember when the war was over and the men came back? Was Did they yeah. keep those jobs? or Yeah? Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. kept the jobs. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, I guess there was such... They'd done a good job, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, and then there were other things for the men to do then, and of course yeah. they had to determine, I guess, which way they were going to go after the war. The men, as to you know what they were going to pursue as a as a uh, finally, finally, job. and the war was over. Finally, construction changed back to automobiles too. And everybody was so anxious to get an automobile because all we had was getting worn out all those years, you know, <laughs> in yes. the 40s. And we couldn't buy it, only used ones, you know. <laughs> Do you two remember the first cars your family got after the war? Yeah. You got, well, I, I, when I was 16, I had a, my first car was a 41 Plymouth when I was 16. Was that was, that was, uh, it was made. Uh, no, that was, that was 48, 40, we got into 40, 40, 48, 49. And it was worn down, believe me, 41, you know. <laughs> but Dad did. Yeah, he had a Chevrolet, I think, an older Chevrolet, and then a Ford. And, uh, I, I don't remember the date of the car, but yeah. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Uh, I remember the first car the first one we got after the war was not new it was mm -hmm. a, one of those old station wagon things yeah you know the wood panels wood wood, <laughs> wood paddling on them look like wood it was crash, you know prior to that all we had during the war years all we had was a truck <laughs> we had a 38 chevrolet truck and mm -hmm. i can remember the windshield wipers as a kid this was so funny the wind there was a little gadget at the mm -hmm. top of the windshield <laughs> and the windshield wiper came from the top instead of the bottom <laughs> and yeah. the back gadget inside that's all you get up here <laughs> that's all you get <laughs> that was all we had during the yeah. war years was, yeah. was a truck because it was a farm truck and it took you to town to get to groceries if you once a week, and, and otherwise, we didn't even have a car during the war years. And of course, yeah. I guess prior to that, mother and daddy had been in the city, and, and when they came to the country, it was more important to have a truck than a car. So yeah. our first car was a Plymouth, and I can't remember what year, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I can remember that. 
Going back to your aunt a little bit, mm-hmm. do you ever remember having any conversations with her after she came back about what she'd done in North Africa? She didn't really talk about it much. She was a very upbeat uh, uh, person. Uh, her, Maybe you did. I didn't talk to Vesta, oh, but, but I talked to Penn, Penn her, her son. son, just last year. Yeah, he has a Christmas uh, After last Christmas year. dinner, he was down there. That's the only child she had left. The other was gone. But Penn, he, he said that... Uh, he, he said that her mother, that his mother, met Bill, her, her, his dad, her husband, over in North Africa in field hospital. And he say, mm-hmm. but he was captain in the army there, you know, and, all, and they got married and all, you know. And what did he, Ben say he did? Th- I forgot. Huh? I didn't understand what he did. Well, he did. what he did was manage uh, a trucking. Uh, a tr- some trucking outfit in the service had delivered uh, supplies to the front and back and forth and had all these trucks running. He managed that, you know, that's what he did. And, uh, and he said, uh, I said, your mother was something else. When you, you guys were children, I remember this in Rock Hall. <laughs> when her father and I went down to Eastern Neck Island, you know, and took her kids with us, and her, and Vesta was with us. And it, they got to fighting on the way back, his kids all day, yang, 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 you know. And so she said, Willard, she didn't have patience with that. She said, Willard, stop the car, told him, get out. We're seven miles from town. Tell me, little kids, get out. She says, Vesta, you can't leave him here. Oh, yes, I can. Get out and stay out. Shut the door. Go on, Willard. Go on to town. Well, when we got to Rock Hall, he says, later, about half hour later, he started worrying. He said, Doc, we got to go get them kids. I said, yeah, let's go back and get them. So we went back there, strolling along, having a big time on the road like nothing had ever happened, you know. She was tough. <laughs> but, but he said, Vesta, He'd say, our, our mother was like that. We knew that, you yeah. know. And uh, he There is one story. I don't know if you really should tell about the military I, oh, situation. Oh, well, well, what happened was <laughs> Bill, uh, uh, Paul, Paul, your cousin Paul told us that uh, when, when she was in field hospital working there, they had this colonel in there in bed. I don't know if he was sick or wounded. I don't know what was wrong with him. But anyway, wasn't too much wrong with him because she was a pretty old lady, you know. And she was helping the guy over the bed. Well, he, being a colonel, I guess he thought he was a privileged character. She was captain. So he reached up like that, touched her, you know. She hit him and almost knocked him out of bed. <laughs> she, had, she had a temper that way, and she wasn't putting up with it. Well, they court-martialed her. According to, according to Paul, they court-martialed Vesta. But when they got before the, the judge advocate, you know, he said there'd be no charge against her because the colonel had no business touching her. And that was that. Good. <laughs> I say, I know it's funny though, but I knew. You may have to delete well as, that. As, as well as I knew Vesta, I we, know she would do that. She'd strike him in a minute, you know. Wow, and that yeah. happened while she was in North Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what was her name? Vesta, Vesta Coffee, V-E-S-T-A, hmm. Coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I really liked her. I, I really liked her spirit, you know. Yeah. She's a great lady. Well, I think she had seen so many things, and <laughs> she, had, and she was yeah. tough, and, and it, it she was stayed hardened. with her. She was hardened with all that during the war and yeah. all. I know she was, yeah. But but uh, that was a funny story, you know. I thought, boy, she got him back. And you can delete that if you have to. No, that's, that's a great story. I'm really glad we got that. No, because sometimes people don't talk about that kind of stuff. No. And it happens. Yeah, it so happens. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. life. It happens. It, yeah. it does indeed. Yeah. 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 I'm not deleting that. <laughs> How long was she, was she in North Africa? 
she was there, I suppose, until she, the war yeah, was I, over. I because I remember when she came here. back. Um, <laughs> I remember when she came back, you know, with the, mm -hmm. uh, and it was like, well, she's home, and it was like everybody else was home too at that point, mm -hmm. in my family anyway. So. And she, when did she volunteer? Towards the beginning of the Towards war? Towards the beginning of the war, yeah. Wow. I can't say for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She went in nurses yeah. training at uh, in Salisbury, didn't she? She went in nurses training in Salisbury when she graduated from from the uh, nursing training and became a registered nurse in Salisbury. Then that's when you she know, became the, second lieutenant. The demand, you know, an officer. All his nurses. The demand was there. Or second lieutenant. Automatically when they went in. Automatically yeah. they were yeah. commissioned. Oh yeah, yeah. all all uh, registered nurses were yeah. RNs yeah. were yeah. commissioned. Yeah. Yeah, they still are, I think. Yeah, probably, I, and in the military, probably. I think they are. Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was she still a nurse after the war? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She she uh, after the war uh, she was still a nurse, but and during the years, like I said before, she had the malaria. She would have the flare-ups <clears throat> uh, from time to time. Um, she I can't say I've forgotten exactly when she died, but she was nursing. She was working in a hospital situation in Philadelphia mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. a private office I believe though mm -hmm. because they kept her on when she developed developed Alzheimer's they kept her on as long as they could and then things were just to the point where they couldn't do it anymore. Do you so. know if she had any interest in remaining in the military after the war? She probably I, didn't at that point I, I because she was it. she was married at that point. She was there with the effort. Yeah, you know, she was there. She the felt effort. that she was for the cause. And after yeah. that, right. that cause, right. that was over with. Right. I think that was right. over with. And Uncle her. Bill too. Because she wanted to raise a family too. You know. When the war was over, they lived in uh, New York, and then they lived in Connecticut. Yeah. And he was a writer for Iron Age magazine in later in Philadelphia. They yeah. moved him to Philadelphia or Devon, Pennsylvania. So. Um, I think it was, you know, once the war was over, mission accomplished. For, yeah, for yeah her, right. You know. That's what they, I think that's but what But she did she continue to be a nurse. Yeah. So she met her husband in North Africa. Mm -hmm. Did they get married in North Africa? Or did I they? don't know about that. I, 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 don't, I don't know, know about that. I don't know where they got married. No. I can't. I, <laughs> I don't know that. Um, they, they would come down here and boat on the river a lot here and all. Okay. They would, yeah, they liked it down here, yeah. Mm -hmm. In Chuckstown, around, rock all around here, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and you had a lot of other uncles, right? Yes, my mother was, had ten sisters. Yeah, that's <laughs> A lot of sisters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and during the uh, war years, um, my father, who was over age to be um, a military person, was the only one, with the exception of my grandfather, and one uncle in our whole family that was the men that was not a member of the military service, one branch or the other. My father was one of seven children, and he had two brothers in, at the same time in the service. He had a brother who was older, who of course, who didn't go. They, they put a lim age limit on uh, when you could be drafted. And my father was over the limit, and one uncle and my grandfather. Otherwise, there were no male members of our family at that time that were not in the military. Yeah. Were you aware of that as a kid that, like, it was? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It was, you know, it was like, well, everybody has to go. Everybody has to go, you know. My brother, my, excuse me, my brother just passed away in April. He was 89. He was drafted twice. Turned down both times because of his legs, terrible legs, feet, feet all in. And, you know, he, he, had, he, he had really bad feet and they knew he couldn't walk right you now. So he turned down to the Second World War when he was uh, 18 and Turned him down again during the Korean War. Uh, it, it, same way, you know, same thing. And uh, my um, 
sister's husband. Uh, he had he had some problems too. I, I don't I don't really know what they were, but but they didn't take him in service. They they examined him and all that, but they didn't take him. But but he farmed too. Mm -hmm. Now, let me tell you this. Farming was seemed to be a very necessary thing then for production of food, you know, like it is now. And they could get what they what you call the deferment from military service. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother-in-law, I knew he didn't get a deferment. He was just flattened and turned down. But uh, uh, they uh, deferred a lot of farmers for that reason production of food, you know, they were, uh, for a while. They were, they'd defer maybe six months or a year, and they'd look at the situation again. They were a lot more responsible about those kind of things then. They'd, they'd look them over closely, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, say, well, are you, should he be available now or shouldn't he, you know what I mean? What, what are you doing with your crops, or are they in or out, or what's going on? You know, they check these things then, but whereas today, it's a lot different, I can tell you, you know. Mm -hmm. what, what I, something that I didn't know that you talked to me at home about not mm -hmm. too long ago was the fact that when they went into basic training, they mm -hmm. had to march from one end of the country to the other. Oh, oh yeah. I, I didn't oh, know yeah. that. <clears throat> yes. That, the, the guard unit I was in here, mm -hmm. with all those guys that come back from the war, which I told you, mm -hmm. you know, at that time, I enlisted there. 1950, when I was 17. But uh, the, the, one of those guys worked with me in Bell Telephone most of his life. His name was Dick Jaquette. And Dick, uh, along with all that other group of men, trained during the war when, when it started. They were went from National Guard, Maryland National Guard State, to federal. They federalized them they said, you are U.S. soldiers now, mm -hmm. you know. So then in the training, they went from, they went from Fort Meade to Camp Landing, Florida, walking and training all the way on those old dirt roads and back and forth. He said, I'm telling you, I have walked from Fort Meade to Florida, I know, you know. In, in the matter of, matter of four or five months, six months, you know. Wow. Training all the way and camping right. overnight like soldiers do, you know. Mm -hmm. All this went on then, you wow. know. Yeah, yeah, they did. That's what Dick told me. Dick Chiquet told me mm -hmm. that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where's he from? He was from Rock Hall. He was from Rock Hall. He was from Rock Hall. Did he have a brother named Charles? Charles Chiquet. Charles is yeah. his cousin. Uh, his cousin. He knows uh, Charles. We know Charles. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. his cousin. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We um, there was a an article in the newspaper before the war even started. Yeah. Um, Charles Jaquette, I think, was on one of the ships that was attacked by a torpedo before the war started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was yeah. that him? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. 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 I think it was. Yeah. 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 And you know him? Yeah. I no, I didn't know Charles. I, I didn't know him that well. You might have. Charles Jaquette, huh? He's talking about Charles Jaquette. Your friend Charles Quet, Rock Hall, Eddie's father-in-law. Uh, unless oh, there's no, another that Charles. Oh no, that was Bryce. Oh, I'm sorry. No, okay. that was Charles okay. Bryce. All right. Yeah. No, no, I, I I knew of him, but I didn't know him well, Charles Quet. But I I knew Dick well. Yeah. And Dick was Charles's cousin. Uh, I think he was his cousin. I believe he was. Yeah. I think he was. Okay. Yeah. I'm not positive for that. I don't want to tell you something that I don't know is fact, sure, yeah. you know, sure. <laughs> but, but, uh, do you but, remember hearing about that ship being sunk when it happened? It was the Reuben James, when, when, the, the Reuben James, the USS Reuben James. Oh no, I don't, I don't ah, know. Okay. I didn't I know about, I didn't know about that. No, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. Cause the name of the ship mall. No, we saw an article about it. Oh, okay. It, it turns out there was a, um, you had an article about that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it had a picture of, you know, yeah. Charles once he got back home. How about that? Yeah. It had a picture of him and his parents. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and, and uh, another fellow uh, I, I was in National Guard with a long time, was in service with him at that time, was Maxwell Moffat. And he was from Rock Hall. Mm 
And he, uh, I think I told you before, his, uh, his sister was my school teacher when he was overseas mm -hmm. during the war. And uh, her name was Thelma Vanzant, Mrs. Vanzant. And all those years that I knew her and knew him, I didn't know they were brother and sister. Yep. So I saw them sitting together up at the hospital one time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just coincidence like that happened. Yep. There's a million stories back there, believe me, yep. if they were here to tell them all, you know, yeah. you know. One thing that um, when he spoke about the, nation, the National Guard being federalized, um, I suppose maybe that's when the Maryland militia became important because I have my father's Maryland militia card. And so these would be the older guys would be the backup. The only thing was left when the other guy, you know, the younger guys in the National Guard or in the service uh, were away from here. That's all we had left. But, the because, old guys. but because of that, because of that intensive training at that time, and they trained hard from the stories of them during the war at that time, before we went overseas to England, and then subsequently in the invasion of Normandy coast, you know. And uh, uh, John Noonan was another guy I worked with. He also worked about life, and, and he died since. But he told me, he said, we, I was in, he's a big man. He said, I was in the best shape I was ever in my life. He said, I could run across that beach, but that was a thrill of my life, getting across there without getting hit, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know? Yeah. yeah. Did you hear a lot of stories from your buddies in the National Guard about their service? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a lot of stories about what went on. They went to England and trained intensively during the war for men until that invasion of France, you know. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I was just over there for the first time and yeah. saw that. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about that. About yeah, well, that we went down, we, we, we flew into Paris and then drove back, back to the coast, to a town called uh, Bio, Bio, I think it is, Cayenne, Bio, we stayed at Bio. And, and then we went to the coast and, and went on the, uh, the uh, memorial, you know, see all that. And, and we, the girl, the docent, that, was talking with us there at Cayenne, Cayenne, I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. She was really good, and they had all the memorabilia of everything from 1933 when Hitler came into power wow. in Europe. From then, all the pictures and all the film, everything. You spent an hour or two looking at all that before they took you to the coast on the bus. See. So the girl that was docent, she, she was Russian. But she spoke Russian, she spoke English fluently, mm -hmm. and German, and, and French. Wow. It's amazing that girl was, you know, she was really good. I never talked to anyone any more intensely interested in all that in her, you know. And she's very young, pretty like you, she's a very young person, you know, she knew, she really had it. And uh, then we went to the coast, and uh, they, they let us out there along where those uh, gun placements were, where the big concrete places were. We, you could go right down in there. They let us go right down in there. And you could look out, and you could look out that slit. Boy, they had a perfect field of fire right across that water. And if they can make it to that bluff, they, they were safe for the moment. If they just get across that beach and make it to the bluff, you know, because where they were sitting out there, right, they, they, you, they couldn't shoot you right down here because they were back a little bit off that, off that cliff, you know. And then they let us walk down on the beach and all, and look back up and see what it looked like, you know. And it, it was amazing. And not only that, they had, I was pleased to see that they had a memorial of a big, concrete place with a plaque on it with 115th Infantry Regiment right down here was it was the part of what they were in 116th and 175th regiments those three regiments of 29th Division at that time 
they had a whole mon whole rock monument there uh, for uh, National Guard in, in, in Maryland, Virginia, and all all the ones that that uh, were in the Normandy invasion and in there at Omaha Beach. And Omaha Beach, of course, is 29th Division, what we're talking about, and two other divisions, the 1st and 90th, all in that area there. But, uh, you know, there's five, five named beaches there. It was uh, uh, Sword, Gold, Juno, Omaha, Utah. Yeah. Operation Overlord. That's what they, they participated in, you know. Told me all about it a million times, you know. A lot what, was, of, what was that trip like for you, knowing that so many of your friends had been well, on that beach? Well, it, you know, you, you think back. You think back so many things was told to you. And, and really, it's, it's almost emotional, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we went to the uh, memorial park where all the gravesites were. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life, the way it's laid out. But you think back, it's kind of eerie. All them young men died there, you know. Millions of them. Thousands of them, brother. And, uh, you looked for the <laughs> roster names and couldn't find oh, anybody yeah. you well, knew. I knew a couple of them. Uh, you know, <laughs> Norman Peterson, right from town here, was killed, who died there. On that. And uh, you, you couldn't find them because I thought they would have them where you could see the name here and pull it up and then go out there and find it. You, you couldn't do that. It was all mixed. But the names were on every cross out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's something else, I'll tell you. And the Germans had more than that. They had their cemetery. They did. And, and they had, I think they had more in than Americans did. So we were told they didn't take us to that. I would love seeing that too, but they didn't take us there. But there were more of them than there was Americans even killed there. Yeah, it's amazing, you know. But up the beach a little ways, they were all out swimming. <laughs> Having a nice time there. Nice day. Beautiful weather. Perfect weather the last two weeks over there. Good. Yeah, never never rained at all like it did here. Sun shined every day perfect. We couldn't have had a perfect more perfect time, you know, yeah. But uh, I went there and went to Paris and, and Munich, Germany, and Berlin, Heidelberg, Heidelberg, beautiful towns I've ever been in my life, you know. <laughs> it you, was. So you couldn't you, see. You would have loved it. I wish you were there, <laughs> you know. You couldn't see the Anne Frank house because there were 300 people in line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We went to Anne Frank house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And you know what they did, though? Mm -hmm. They, the original house, they covered it with some other kind of siding up there, so you couldn't see it. It'd make you buy a ticket and go <laughs> in. big wall around You know, one of them deals. Yeah. <laughs> Netherlands did that, you know, Amsterdam. But we went there, and uh, I told Martin, I said, hey, look, I'm not waiting that line. It goes halfway around the block. Two, three hundred people waiting in line, paying, paying people to get in there and see it, you know. But they, they boys got my picture alongside of Anne Frank's statue, bronze statue there, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there anything that I haven't asked that, that you'd want to talk about? Or I've got maybe one or two more questions, but I want to make sure I, I catch all the, all the stuff about the trip that you want to talk Yeah. Um, I, I don't know other than uh, I had uh, told you before, I think, about the, the rationing and all of, of uh, at that time, the ration cigarettes and, and uh, <laughs> gasoline and sugar and all these mm -hmm. things, you know. But uh, they, they'd stand all the children in line to get cigarettes because they only let one, each person have one pack, but they didn't care if they sold them to children or who at that time. And, and in my how things have changed, you know. Nothing but, else about your trip. <clears throat> Nothing else about your trip. Not about the trip over mm -hmm. there. Um, well, it's not too pertinent to what she wants to hear, I'm sure. But 
France. Uh, Paris is crazy. Just nuts. <laughs> Trying to drive through there, I'm telling you. Mopeds all around, you know. I thought, I can't stand much of this. David tells me, just relax, Dad, you know. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and he drove, uh, you see over there in the Germany, they had, uh, also they had German cars made, German-made Mercedes, BMWs, Audis, Volkswagen. So we went and got a rental car in Munich. Mm -hmm. I drove Munich up to Berlin. Well, I drove to Heidelberg first, then Heidelberg to Berlin. And uh, he drove on the uh, Autobahn doing 150, 160 kilometers. I said, my God, I don't know the calculation of the two, but miles per hour, he said, Dad, it's over 100. We were running over 100. And they were going by us, passing us. You couldn't go enough, fast enough that they wouldn't pass you. I'm telling you, i never seen anything like it. I, I finally, I told him, I said, well, if a tire blows out, then we're going to be mincemeat. So slow this thing down, you know. <laughs> I learned that one. But, <laughs> but it was an absolute, but it was an absolute beautiful country, Germany is, yeah. really is. Yeah. And clean. You and clean as a pin. I have to give them credit on that. And and look, no pickup trucks over there <laughs> like here. Hmm. We, we, you know, in this community today, as you probably say, they're in love with their pickups. Everybody has them, especially farmers, you know. Mm -hmm. Over there, there's no pickups. You don't see them. They transport people by automobile, and farm needs are on a small flatbed truck or, or something of that nature, you know what I mean. <laughs> it, it's so different culture there than here or now, even, you know. <laughs> and, and to eat in those cities, Everywhere you go, you have a choice. You sit on the street and eat or inside, you know, how it is in Paris or Germany or Berlin, same way. We went to, went and saw uh, Brandenburg Gate and, and Berlin and, oh. and Checkpoint Charlie. Oh, yeah. I, got my, I got my picture taken with him there. <laughs> and uh, where else was it? Uh, we, uh, oh, the, uh, you know, it was amazing, the beautiful churches they had from years before the war were still standing, but bomb fragments had tore sides out of some of them, chunks, pieces, and I'd still, you still see that. But they've tried to repair a lot of that to make it, to make it serviceable, you know. Okay. Yeah, and... Uh, you could go inside and see all the beautiful architecture and earn everything inside the church building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd love to oh, see some of those. Yeah. Oh, and the castle. That I wish I'd bought that book and showed you that castle. I'd give her that. Of, on the coast of Normandy. Up a little toward Calais, out in the water. Well, the tide rises and falls tremendously there. What? Is it, is it Mont Saint-Michel? That's it. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. We went in that castle all through it. Yeah. Clear up. Well, I had to rest about four times okay. before I could get top. So they were ready to roll, you know. <laughs> so, you know what I mean. That's really neat. Yeah, it was. He saw that castle, and we saw one in Heidelberg. We went on through that castle. It was really nice. And they have homes up there all around. We live up there, too, in Heidelberg. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it was worth seeing all that. Believe me, yeah. Mm -hmm. You love to see that castle. I would love to. Yeah, yeah. yeah you go yeah, there someday, if you can go. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to. Sure, hoping sure. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you especially you're interested in that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people are not interested. Believe me, you know how people are. Right? Yeah. But, but, um, yeah, we. We, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else we saw important. Okay. Oh, they have a, they, oh, in uh, Munich, years ago, a tavern here where you drink 
drink beer in a tavern. It's mm -hmm. known as Beer Garden years ago here. Uh -huh. Today they just call them tavern, like call them Beer Garden, you know. Germany, they're Beer Garden. But it's not a tavern per se. We went in Munich and went down there, and, and here's get a nice meal there and everything. Here's tables all out under the beautiful shade trees. And each person waiting on you has a station, and they take care of the menus and the money and everything right there in your order. It's literally you know? a garden. It, it, it is a garden. But what we got, two of us, I forgot what Dave got, but he got cabbage, some kind of cabbage. What we got was, uh, was uh, pork uh, ribs and sauerkraut and liters of beer, I'm telling you. Boy, serve you right, didn't have to go anywhere, serve you right there. Sit yeah, down, pay for it and all right there. Didn't have to go inside. I thought it was interesting when he yeah. said, they, the boys said, well, let's go to the beer garden. Yeah. And he said, I don't want to go to any tavern. <laughs> <laughs> but we went no, to eat Dad, It's a beer garden. It served you everything right there. <laughs> that was pretty neat. Yeah, they, it's different, you know. <laughs> it really is. It sounds really neat. My, my dad would love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have one other quick topic I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about. Um, I remember from the last interview, you mentioned that U-boats came up in the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. Yeah? German U-boats, yeah. Do you, uh, uh, submarines, yeah. He knows more about that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, Not a whole lot because I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't think many did. But if you... <clears throat> <clears throat> the only reason I'm saying that is because on television it showed they one time they plotted out where German submarines were in North Atlantic and Chesapeake Bay mm -hmm. and showed them had come in Chesapeake Bay and I I since then I've heard older people talk about it that that. Uh, not long after that, they they were in Chesapeake Bay. I don't know whether they damaged any shipping in there or not. I don't know, but that's the only thing I know about it. But I did see it on television where they had plotted out you know, all over North Carolina. And you see down in Chesapeake Bay in that estuary, submarines had been up in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I talked to a Dutch guy. He was retired over there, mm -hmm. and he was in the Dutch Navy. Well, he spoke English fluently. I was, he was about my age, what, 78, I think, 79, and it was really enjoyable talking to him because his son owned the restaurant that we were eating in there on the street there, you know. Okay. And he, he belonged to the Dutch Navy. He said, yeah, we, we were over there in Baltimore and the Baltimore Harbor, and we were down to Charleston, South Carolina, where we love it down there too, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he was all of them down the coast with Dutch Navy. And uh, he, he had some kind of job. He was an officer in the Navy there. He had some kind of a job that where, you, uh, where you cater to the young people, keeping in the knees what they need. He said, training ship maybe. Training ship maybe. He said, you know, you have to take care of these young men, you know. <laughs> I said, I don't know. but. But uh, he talked a long while, you know, and left me. It was interesting to talk to the fellow. He had been over here in the Navy, you know. And not during the war, though, right? No. Uh, no. 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 No, because he's well, only 78, yeah. 79. Yeah. He wouldn't, no. No. He would have been but he, but he was in the Navy 37 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, he was a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but, that's all the questions I have. Do you, do you <clears throat> I don't know of anything else. You know, okay. it's been interesting to talk with you, though. I no, tell you I'm, that. Yeah. I'm, I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to get some of the, the cooler news stories. <laughs> I hope it, <laughs> my only hope is our, our efforts have helped some. You know what? I, I Let me tell you that they have, because the, mm. the archive that we're building with this project um, yeah. is going to be around for a really long time so yeah. people are going to use it for for exhibits for research for productions mm -hmm. like it's yeah. it's really like i'm i'm so passionate about oral history because i really enjoy talking to people mm -hmm. and, and sure. hearing about this mm -hmm. stuff yeah. but it's also right. 
really lasting in a way that, you know, sometimes people That's don't wonderful that realize. you're that way because so many young people yeah. are not interested in that. No. Yeah. I hate to say it, but they're not. Yeah, not at all. It makes me sad. But yeah. No, I, sit, I sit alongside of a guy right across the aisle on that plane coming back. Mm -hmm. And that kid was a young man, a fine-looking young man, sit there. And the whole time I spoke to him, he'd speak baby, you know. A whole, the whole damn trip over there, he's on this computer, you know, laptop and pool. And, and then he was looking at a film on it, you know. And when he turned it off, pulled blinders down. Everybody's like, I don't want to look at you, don't look at me or anybody else. The plane landed, and I wanted to see what was down below as it landed. I mean, it interested me, you know. The kid sat there with blinders on the whole time until it hit the ground. He felt it hit the ground. I, I thought, this is pathetic, you know. Mm. Why don't he get a life, you know? <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you both very much for yeah. coming back in. Glad to do it. Yeah, glad talking with you. Thank yeah, and I hope it helps. It does. Yeah. And I both. wish you the best of luck. Yeah. With yeah. Thank you. I yeah, really thanks. do. Yeah. I've had it was wonderful life. talking to you too. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm, interested. Yeah. I don't know what this is. I don't know what that is. It looks like a shoe. I've what? had my eye on it a little bit ago, <laughs> and I 